Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Montevideo, Uruguay with my new friend Karen Hicks of Guruguay.com. Karen moved from Washington, D.C. to Uruguay in 2000 because her husband is from South America and they wanted to return to that culture. They wanted a city with lively cultural scene and good infrastructure, yet was small enough to get around by foot. In this episode, Karen and I talk about the world's largest carnival, tango dancing, and amazing wine. You hear these three fun stories, plus a bunch more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Montevideo. Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view. Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure, it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great. I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler. And if they get dirty, a quick spin in the washing machine, and they're good as new. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash bluffworks for a special offer and to select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey, Karen, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Lee. Today, we're talking about a country and a city that a lot of us may not have visited or thought about visiting before, but, uh, and I'm going to say this, and hopefully I'm not butchering it, Montevideo of Uruguay. Excellent. Yay. So for the listeners that aren't familiar with the country, where exactly is it in the world? It's in the very south of South America, between Argentina to the west and Brazil to the east. Oh, okay, great. What's your connection to the city? Actually, I've been living here since 2000. We arrived here then thinking that we were going to stay for five years, and we loved it so much we never left. That's awesome. I mean, you never know what's going to happen when you get to someplace new. Again, you talked about being there for planning to be there for about five years, but you stayed there much longer. What's really some of the things that have kept you there? Well, I would say that it's the quality of life. Before coming here, my family and I, I'm British, but I'm married to an Argentinian. And we'd been traveling around a lot, uh, living in different parts of the world. And before coming here, we'd been living in Washington, D.C. And though we loved it, we really wanted to return to South America. But we loved the quality of life in D.C. so much, we thought, well, let's find somewhere comparative. So we wanted a small city that was a capital with good infrastructure, with an international airport. But we also wanted a lively cultural scene as well and a city that was small enough that you can get around on foot or by public transport and that you can easily leave. And within a short time, you're at lovely beaches. And Montevideo has all that. That sounds perfect. I think a lot of times people wrongly assume that when they're thinking of uh, some international countries, that maybe they they don't have the same infrastructure like we do in the U.S. And the way you describe Montevideo it sounds like it, it could be you could pick it up with a crane and plop it in anywhere in the U.S. and it'd be uh, very similar to a lot of our cities. Yeah, on the economic scales worldwide, it's not actually it's still considered a developing country, but it's a high level developing country. But a hundred years ago, Uruguay was actually one of the richest countries in the world. So it has a lot of the infrastructure that was built at that time that's still working fantastically. Okay, so if people were planning to come to visit, obviously being in, in South America, the seasons are flipped versus the U.S. When we're planning our visit, uh, what time of year should we think of coming? Well, we've got a temperate climate, as you mentioned. 
in the opposite order because we're in the southern hemisphere. So, I mean, it really depends on what it is that you want. The best time of the year really depends on your interests and your weather preferences. So if you want to escape winter in the U.S. and you love beaches, then it's brilliant to come here between October and April. Montevideo's got the longest carnival in the world, which goes on in our summer. It lasts for 40 nights and it starts at the end of January and goes on till the first few days of March. So... January is not the best time to visit Montevideo then because a lot of the great restaurants are closed as the owners go on holiday themselves. But February is a fantastic time to come for Carnival. That sounds great because especially, you know, maybe you want to have like a romantic weekend with your spouse. Maybe a great way to come down for, for that holiday. Totally fun. And if you love wine, talking of romantic holidays, then Montevideo is surrounded by wineries. And there are several festivals that are fun to check out. In March, we have the Harvest Festival, so you've got the chance to actually tread grapes. They still do that here. In June, it's winter, but there's a traditional Tanat wine and lamb festival. Now, Tanat is Uruguay's most popular wine, and it's the one that we're becoming known for worldwide, so that's a really great festival. And then in November, that's the Festival of Young Wines. Oh, that sounds great. I love wine, so you you sold me already. All right. So if we're planning to come down and visit, how do we get down there from the U.S.? Are there direct flights into Uruguay or do we have to fly someplace else in South America and connect? You usually have to fly to Montevideo via another country in Latin America. And typical hubs are Panama, Santiago in Chile or Brazil. There is one airline that flies direct from the U.S. and that's American Airlines from Miami, And as a little aside, just in case, I'm not sure if you want to keep this, although it won't be flying until December due to COVID-19. But most of us expats, to be honest, prefer the Latin American airlines like Copa, Latam and Avianca. Copa's got a particularly good service with just a two hour layover in Panama. And it has the best punctuality rankings of all the airlines flying into Montevideo. Those are great options. Yeah. And the good thing is that for those listeners that are more American based, some of these other airlines like Copa and Latam and everybody else, they are partners with a lot of the airlines that fly in the US. So even though you may not have miles with these other airlines, the airlines that you do have miles with, you may be able to use those miles to be able to book your flight down there. That's a great point. So, okay. So say we get to the airport and now we're looking to get into the city. How do we get from the, the airport to the city? Is there public transportation? Uh, is there like a monorail or a bus? Do we rent a car? What's the best way to do it? Well, there is public transportation in the form of shuttles and regular buses. And there are also rideshare services as well. But to be honest, after such a long trip, getting in from the airport, most people give themselves the luxury of a private car hire. Uh, here they're called remises. And there's a great little company called B&B Remises that I love. What I love about their service, not only are they, they use the latest software. So the contact with them beforehand, when you arrive, you actually have a photograph of the driver that's picking you up. But they take their passengers the lovely 30-minute drive to the city center along the coast. And many people tell me it's one of the most lovely drives they've ever encountered, taking a transfer from the airport to the city. That sounds really good. It goes right along the river plate. It's absolutely gorgeous. If you had to say what the difference in price is between, say, like public transportation like the bus or shuttle versus one of those private cars, uh, obviously this country is pretty affordable. 
what's the kind of the difference in price? The bus is pretty cheap. It's less than $2. However, to be honest, if you have any luggage at all, I wouldn't recommend taking the bus. The shuttle is a reasonable option that costs about $10 and they depart once they've got five passengers. Uber costs about $20 to $30. The remise costs you about $35, $40. You made me think that you have the expectation that because it's in Latin America, it's a cheaper country. The reality is, is that Uruguay is not a particularly cheap country. I think that most people, when they come here, they will find that there are certain things that are cheaper, certainly eating out is cheaper, drinking in a bar is cheaper, transport is cheaper, but hotels are not necessarily cheaper and neither are things that you buy in the stores. Okay, well, that's really, that's really good information to know about. Yeah, for example, you'd want to come down with your full wardrobe that you're planning to wear because anything clothes-wise is pretty expensive. Yeah, so if you're looking at souvenirs, clothes may not be the right option if you're looking to do that on a budget. Well, yeah, and I mean, to be honest, unless you wanted to get something that was like gaucho wear, you know, like a poncho or something, our South American cowboys, that kind of thing, sure, that's going to be fun. And Uruguay has beautiful wool as well, but it's not cheap. So now when we're thinking of uh, where we should stay when we're in Montevideo, is there a certain part of town that we should look at or maybe a part that we should avoid? Well, I think that it really depends how long you're planning to stay in the city as to where you should stay. Montevideo is laid back and you'll really want to slow down to get into the vibe of the city. The old city, or as it's known in Spanish, Ciudad Vieja, is Montevideo's historic center and was once all of Montevideo. It's a great place to stay because you're in the heart of the historic area. You can walk absolutely everywhere. There's outstanding architecture and it's packed with historic cafes, museums, antiques and old bookstores. And a lot of the best restaurants in Montevideo are there. If you stay there, I recommend a minimum stay of four days, three nights. And my tip is to stay midweek to see the old city at its bustling best. So for example, arrive on a Thursday morning and then leave Sunday after lunch. Uh, My favorite hotel there is called the Alma Historica, which means the historic soul. It's just on a romantic French-style plaza, and each of its 12 rooms is inspired by a Uruguayan figure from the past. So you've got a room that's inspired after an aviator, a writer, an artist. It's absolutely gorgeous. For people that like to stay near the beach, because we have 10 beaches in Montevideo, Then Positos is a nice neighborhood, especially it has a modern feel, so it'll feel very familiar to somebody from the U.S. It has a lot of high rises bordering the Rambler or the boardwalk, although once you walk away from the Rambler, the high rises give way to very charming two-story houses. But to sightsee, you'll need to take transport to the old city. I did say that it's... um, a great place if you wanted to stay near the beach. But I should mention that practically anywhere you stay in Montevideo, because it's small and because we have an enormous long boardwalk through the city, then anywhere you stay, you'll be at the most 10 or 15 minutes ride to the beach. Oh, fantastic. Well, mentioning the, 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 the boardwalk and some of the other things to do while we're there, like, what are some of your favorites? The major attractions in Montevideo 
are accessible to any visitor because basically they're for free. We've got the world's longest unbroken boardwalk along the River Plate. As I mentioned before, it's called the Rambler. The River Plate is so wide at this point, it looks just like the sea. And the Rambler stretches for 14 miles and it borders 10 beaches within the city. It's funny because Uruguayans characterize themselves as low profile. And I think that this is a typical instance where they've got, I think this this boardwalk should be in the Guinness Book of Records and yet nobody knows about it. And yet Montevideans use the Rambler day and night. They're always there. They're walking, running, biking, kite surfing, watching the sunset. It's fantastic. We've also got amazing architecture and some of the most art deco architecture of any city in the world after New York. It's wonderful to wander the city streets, looking up and taking photos. It's been said that Montevideo is a photographer's paradise, a city to shoot in black and white film. For that, I would say start at the old city, the historic center, which is easy to walk around. Start at the port and then walk up the main pedestrian street, which is called San Andi. Make sure you see the colonial square. You've got all the beautiful colonial architecture there until you get to Plaza Independencia, which is the heart of new Montevideo. At the Plaza Independencia, look out for the Solis Theatre which is Uruguay's oldest theater. It's just off the plaza. And they've got a very cute little 30-minute tour, which includes going behind the scenes. And that happens several times a day in English. Another thing that I think is really lovely and to be able to get the lay of the land where you are is to go to the panoramic viewing deck or mirador, as it's called in Spanish, which is at the top of the Intendencia of Montevideo. That's the city hall. It's got 360 degree views of the city. You can see as far as the airport and the signage is in English, too, and it's very well thought out. My tip there is that the entrance, it's a little bit confusing, but Persevere is definitely worth going. And the the Mirador is open every day from 10 in the morning till 8 at night, including weekends. And like everything else I've mentioned, there's no charge. That's a, that's a incredible. I mean, like you said, it, there's like such a great mixture of cool things like that where you get just incredible views. And then you can just stroll along the history of the, the colonial architecture and everything else that's there. Although some things may be kind of comparable price-wise to the U.S., the fact that all these things are free can really make a, a difference in your travel budget. Oh, yeah. I mean, culture in Uruguay is plentiful and accessible on the pocket. Totally. Well, okay. So one of the things that obviously people want to do when they're visiting is trying some of the local cuisine and delicacies. So what are some of your favorites and what are some places that people should, should not miss out on? Okay. First of all, I think I should dispel some myths and forget any comparisons to Mexico. The food is not spicy here at all. In fact, maybe it's kind of similar to the U.S., in as much as the ingredients, the meat, the dairy, fresh fruit, vegetables, bread, etc. But I think what is special about it is the quality and the taste of the food here, because there's such pure air in Uruguay, and it's so underpopulated that really produce here tastes amazing. And there's also increasingly an appreciation for local and organic produce. But I guess that we need to start talking about beef, right? Because there are four cows for every Uruguayan. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I love me a steak. So that's uh, that that sounds like a a good place to be. 
There you go. So all cows in Uruguay pretty much are free ranging and grass fed. We may be a small country with a population of just 3 million, but we've got a huge expanse of land. And so the beef is incredible. I would recommend going to the port market in the old city, which I call Disneyland for carnivores. (laughs) (laughs) It's in a hundred year old wrought iron building, which looks kind of like an old fashioned British train station, something out of Harry Potter. And there are stands cooking barbecue or what we call parisha, like everywhere. There are flames everywhere. I've never seen a place like it, not even in Argentina. It's, it's just incredible. Now, it can be a tourist trap because it's, it's famous with people that come here. So you need to know where to go. And I recommend the Cabana de Veronica, Veronica's cabin. And there you're definitely guaranteed a high quality beef experience. Well, my mouth is watering right now. <laughs> Being next to the ocean with all the beaches, I'm sure that the fish is really good as well. Well, funnily enough, you would think so, and you would think it would be abundant. But I don't know if it's because the history of Uruguay has been so much focused on cattle raising that in general, fish is not very consumed here. So you really need to know where to find good fish. But I have the tip for you guys. It's in the old city and it's a restaurant called Es Mercat. And to me, this is the best fish and seafood restaurant in the whole city. The dish I would recommend is the South Atlantic sea bass, and it's seasoned solely with rock salt. It's amazing. The trick when you go to Esmercat is to ask Roberto, the chef, to choose what you're going to eat, and then he's going to get really excited, and then he's going to like choose the best that's, that he has for that day. That's so cool. I, I, I love when you can go to places like that and actually speak to the chef and get their, get their input and just have them make something just amazing for you. Totally. It's, it's, it's so much fun that way. And people go to Esmercat and they just like fall in love with the family that run it. You've got Lily, who's Roberto's Swiss wife, who's the waitress and manager, and Facundo, his son, who, if it's not Roberto cooking, Facundo is cooking. And everybody goes there to be part of the family. <laughs> that is so cool. A couple things and then, and then we'll go. Obviously, we have some beef. We're having some fish. Where should we go for a wine that, to kind of pair with those? As Uruguay has such amazing wine, my recommendation would to be to dine at Baco. Baco is a bistro with probably the most extensive wine list in the city, including wine by the glass. They have about 150 wines in the cellar, half of which are from Uruguay. What's really cool is that each wine in the restaurant is selected by a panel made up of the owners, a Uruguayan expert, an expert from Chile, and then someone who has no idea about wine whatsoever. (laughs) And so that person is just saying, I don't like this wine. I like that wine. Well, on the basis of that, that's how they make up their 150 wines in the wine list. I'd probably be the one that doesn't really know much. All I know is it, it tastes good. And if it's red or white, and that's pretty much it. I mean, that's what Sophie, the owner, says to me. She's like, you know, everybody has their taste. And that needs to be taken into account when we, when we do our wine list. Fantastic. All right. Last question uh, before we get into the final countdown. Uh, where should we go for breakfast? Breakfast. Okay. I would definitely recommend two cafes. One is called Sometimes Sunday. And the other is called Café Gourmand. They both serve amazing coffee. 
Sometimes Sunday's in the old city. Café Gourmand is in the newly hip neighborhood of Cordon. Both are fantastic if you're craving a real brunch. And your listeners should beware of fake brunch in Montevideo because brunches become really trendy. But most Uruguayans don't understand what a real brunch is. And so basically they serve what is lunch as brunch. So we people that know what real brunch is, these are the two places to check out. Okay, yeah. I would be really disappointed if I showed up in for brunch and all of a sudden there's like burgers and steaks and everything else when I'm expecting you know, pancakes and eggs and omelets and all the other good stuff. Right? So yeah, so this is why I just recommend these guys. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. Well, you know, Karen, I really appreciate you sharing all these tips for Montevideo. I've even learned how to say the word properly. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal in Montevideo, where should they go and what should they eat? So it has to be the tira de asado or short ribs at Cabaña de Veronica in the Port Market. That's what Uruguayans love to eat, that cut. And the quality of the meat is so good, they order these ribs well done. Although you can order them medium if you want, but Uruguayans order them well done. So they're crunchy on the outside, but they're tender inside. And a tip is that Uruguayans don't normally order steak they ordered this asal. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, if you told a, a steak lover that you were going to order it well done, they would probably smack you, you know? Exactly. Well, <laughs> Ver- Veronica always says that the, the reason is because in Uruguay, what's particular about it is that here they grill over wood. And so the meat, in order to be able to acquire the wood-smoked flavor, needs to cook for a decent amount of time. But that's obviously combined with the fact that the quality of the meat is so good that it can stand that kind of level of doneness. For sure. Well, I'm going to have to come down there and try it myself, for sure. Totally. (laughs) Okay, so you've been there. Obviously, you stayed there a lot longer than you originally anticipated. You must have some great stories. Which one are your most memorable? Well, I do, but you know what? I actually, I was thinking about this and I want to share not my story, but Mick Jagger's story. May I, as I'm British? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> well, I mentioned to you before that Uruguayans consider themselves very low profile. And to me, this really demonstrates that. When Mick Jagger came to Uruguay in 2016 with the Stones, after the show, he went for dinner. And he told his Uruguayan host that he had never had the opportunity to hear candombe played. Now, candombe is a unique type of music. It's unique to Uruguay, and it's based heavily on drums. It's very much part of the carnival scene here. Well, it was late, and there were no candombe troops out practicing. You, they normally practice on, on, you know, on the streets here during during the day, but. As everybody knows, everybody else here in Uruguay, because it's a small country, somebody knew that it was the birthday party of a candombe drum maker called El Lobo Nunez. Now, El Lobo lives in a working class neighborhood near the city center called Barrio Sur. But despite that, mixed Uruguayan house, they didn't think twice. They packed him through the restaurant kitchen's back door and they drove him to El Lobo's modest home. Next day, this was all over the news in Uruguay, and El Lobo <laughs> was interviewed on the radio and talked about his astonishment of Mick Jagger appearing in his front room side by side with his family. And when the reporter asked what they'd offered him, he said that Jagger had just asked for water. 
and that as there was no bottles of water, he'd been given a glass of tap water. And I love that because I am sure that Mick Jagger has drunk the finest champagne in the world. But he's more likely to remember that glass of tap water drunk in a humble house in a Uruguayan working class neighborhood than any of the finer champagnes. And I think that this contact with the locals and the friendly lack of ceremony that happens here in Uruguay all the time is something that, that he experienced, but that will happen to anybody that ends up coming here on holiday. What a fantastic story. Isn't it lovely? I'm almost <laughs> speechless. Like, uh, that's, uh, that's so cool. And the fact that, like you said, I, I'm sure he's going to remember that story. And he's had countless experiences all over the world. I'm sure that's going to be certainly in his top 10. I would have thought so too. It's just, I mean, that's just such a normal story. It's wonderful. <laughs> right on. Okay. Uh, speaking of happy times and happy stories, where's the happiest happy hour month of Adeo? Well, happy hour is not really much of a thing here, but for an amazing bar experience and definitely happy hours, then I love Montevideo wine experience. They were the first wine bar in the city and the first to serve solely Uruguayan wines. They're in the old city. They stock amazing wines by the glass. They have a really great informal vibe and they also have live music on Monday evenings. So again, talking about this kind of low profile Uruguay or Montevideo, then the musicians are sitting around a table just like the other customers in the bar are. And you can just literally go and sit at the table with the musicians if you want. What a fun time. That's really cool. It is. <laughs> now, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is I always search out pizza because I eat like a four-year-old. <laughs> Where's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Montevideo? All right. I thought about this and I'm like, pepperoni pizza? I'm not going to recommend pepperoni pizza. <laughs> so I hope you'll forgive me. Sure. <laughs> I would recommend Tascende, which is a little pizzeria just off the Plaza Independencia. It was founded in 1931 and... Because it's right behind the presidential offices and because Uruguayans are low profile, it is frequented by presidents and is known as the backrooms of power. Now, I'm not sure which is colder, the marble tabletops or the attitude of the waiters to the customers, but they are pizza al tacho, which is a pizza base with grilled cheese, no tomato sauce combined with a cold beer, are the best. That sounds like a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, well, I hope you'll forgive me for not recommending pepperoni. That's all right. I, I, I got to <laughs> venture out occasionally, right, and try something new. <laughs> okay, so obviously you've traveled all over the world, lived in a bunch of different countries. What's your best travel tip? I think that, especially nowadays, no one wants to be treated like a tourist. And more and more, we want to blend in when we travel. When I traveled to India, I received some unwanted attention as an older solo female traveler. But I discovered that as soon as I covered my shoulders, like the locals do, then that negative attention stopped. So I was thinking to do as the Uruguayans do, so to blend in when you're in Uruguay, dress casually. No one in Uruguay dresses up. Even to go to the theater, jeans are fine. And relax. Don't expect things to start on time. Don't expect service in restaurants to be fast. And be ready for this and enjoy the experience. And so my 
primary tip there would be when in Uruguay, do not wait until you are starving hungry to sit down at a restaurant. Yeah, uh, that's great tips because <laughs> we have young children. You have to anticipate. You can't wait till they tell you that they're hungry or they have to use the restroom. You have to kind of look for clues and notice that they're hungry. They have to use the bathroom and then tell them or plan ahead. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. Oh, sure. You would want to have your kids had something to eat before you go to the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, Karen, I really appreciate you coming onto the show and sharing some amazing tips for Montevideo. I've learned so much about Uruguay and I can't wait to go. Can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are, what you do, and if somebody wants to learn more about you or contact you about Montevideo, where should they reach you on social media? Sure. That, that would be fantastic. Well, I'm the founder of guruguay.com, which is Uruguay's most popular English language travel website. Guruguay is spelled Uruguay with a G at the beginning. So I'm the guru of Uruguay. <laughs> That's kind of the <laughs> joke. So it's spelled G-U-R-U, guru, and then guay, G-U-A-Y.com. Uh, I've written the Guruguay guidebooks to Uruguay and Montevideo which are bestsellers on Amazon in paperback for Kindle. And the Montevideo guidebook is now out as an audiobook as well. They are actually the only internationally available guidebooks written by someone who actually lives in Uruguay. And we're very proud of that. And we're very proud that our latest guidebook was supported by the Uruguayan Ministry of Tourism. I'd really love for your listeners to find me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And we run a really lovely, friendly group on Facebook, if you can believe that. But it's really lovely and friendly. And it's called Discover Uruguay that I think your listeners will love. A lot of people in the States are looking at Uruguay as a place to live at the moment, actually, attracted by the quality of life and, and the fact that we're a very stable and progressive society. And I, because we're talking about travel, I haven't even mentioned how affordable the healthcare is here. So I offer consultations to see if Uruguay is a good fit. And I would be delighted to talk to any of your listeners who might be interested in that. Well, fantastic. We've got a little free gift for We Travel Their listeners. Can I mention that? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so we have a little downloadable guide that includes many of the places that I've mentioned here and lots more. And it actually includes the restaurant where Mick Jagger had dinner the night he decided he wanted to go and hear Uruguayan candombe in it. So to get that, go to www.guruguay.com slash we travel there. All one word. Karen, I really appreciate all these tips. I appreciate the listeners being able to get that download uh, for free. That's really awesome. We'll include all these links in the show notes, and we look forward to seeing you when we travel there. It was a pleasure, and it'd be great to stay in touch. And thanks so much, Lee, for the kind invitation. I really appreciate it. Big thanks to Karen for coming onto the show and sharing your tips for Montevideo. Show us some love by joining our Facebook group called Discover Uruguay. Send me a tweet at We Travel There to share your favorite thing about Montevideo, Uruguay. All the things we talked about today can be found at wetravelthere.com forward slash Montevideo. We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate sponsor of today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs so that way you can save recovery free when you travel. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code LEAD to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we head to Huntsville, Alabama to speak with my good friends Jen and Ed Coleman of colemanconcierge.com. We talk about Space Camp at the U.S. Space and Rocket Center, Speakeasies at Campus 805, and the Craft Brew Trail. Hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share with your friends and tell them what you like most. 
Make sure you subscribe, that way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.